Twitch.org podcast giving away episode 450. Steve Schmee here, the Rickster, Ricky V Rock. What's going on? How's it going? Hey, what's up, Steve? What's up, guys? How's everybody doing out there? So we have a fun uh, podcast, episode 450. We're doing a little special one today. We're going to talk about uh, several topics, guys. Um, let's get to it. The first one we're talk about is bodybuilding deaths that have come recently. You guys listen to the Hardcore podcast. You've heard Mobster and I do episodes on guys who have been dropping dead. We did an episode about George Peterson, which is hardcore episode 164. We did another episode on Sean Roden, who died, episode 168. And then we did an episode on Cali Muscle 169, his near-death experience, where he had a heart attack. We also did John Meadows as well. And John Meadows was another guy who has passed away. That would be episode 158. So, guys, I mean, it's on and on and on. And, uh, you know, we expect to do more, unfortunately, death from guys. But really, I'm curious to hear Rick's perspective on this. Rick, you've listened to the episodes. And, you know, we haven't had heard, you know, Mobster and I, you know, we had our little rants on this topic. And really one of the things that I mentioned talking to mobster on the podcast and off the show. And in one of my recommendations is why not have these guys treated just like they treat players in professional sports, like the NFL, NHL, you know, these are sports. Let's take the NFL. For example, when you're on the field and you take a big hit, and you have a you know you you have a possible concussion they take you out of the game and they they check on you these are independent doctors that take you off the field and check on you and if they rule that you had a concussion you're not allowed back in the game you've got to sit out and you have to pass a concussion protocol during the week before you're even allowed to play and if you don't pass that concussion protocol you're not playing and it's not the teams that make those decisions it's these independent doctors so my idea was why not have independent doctors who are doing physicals on these professional bodybuilders. And if they deem these professional bodybuilders not healthy, then that will force them to, I'm sorry, you know, for the bad news, but you're not competing. We're not going to let you on stage. We're not going to let you in there. The second thing I suggested is why are these guys by themselves? Why are they allowed to be by themselves? When you're competing leading up to a show, you should have to have a roommate with you. You should have to have a coach. Your coach has to be up your ass, always keeping an eye on you. All right. You treat the competitor like, you know, an athlete, right? Where you're always keeping an eye on them. Professional athletes, they have roommates when they travel for a reason. It's so someone keeps an eye on you in case you slip in the shower and fall, in case you have a stroke, in case you, you know, something happens where, you know, you're not well and you're getting dizzy and you're fainting, you're getting sweaty, someone there to call 911. Because on some of these deaths, that would have prevented them dying. That would have got them someone in time where they wouldn't have been sitting there for an hour or two. And then no people calling them and texting him and not getting a response and then say, ah, you know, he's probably taking a nap. 
I'll just check on them in a couple hours. So, I mean, those were a couple of suggestions that they could do. And the money necessary to do this should be paid by all these supplement companies that are contributing to bodybuilding and sponsoring these contests. Take a percentage of that, maybe 5%, 10%, whatever, and take that money and put it in a pool and then use that money to hire independent doctors and hire roommates or companions or coaches, whatever you want to call them, to make sure you keep an eye on these guys because they're dropping dead ahead of their competition left and right. And it's not helping the situation. Nobody wants to see their hero die. If the NFL players would go on the football field and they're getting hit in each other and they're dying on the football field, they would lose viewers because no one wants to see their favorite players who they worship and they wear their jerseys and they cheer passing away. And that's what we've been seeing. We've seen these guys pass away. So that's my little rant on it. Just for those of you who haven't listened to the hardcore, that's my suggestion. That's my rant. Now, Rick, I'm curious to hear your suggestions and, and your rant on this uh, subject. Floor is yours. Like Steve mentioned, uh, part of the problem is that there isn't, there aren't any good guidelines for helping these uh, bodybuilding leagues keep their athletes healthy. Every year, uh, the judges would like to see guys coming in bigger and more cut, bigger and more cut, more veins, more restorations, bigger. But there isn't any, anything or anyone or any real system to monitor the health of these athletes along the way. And as long as the judges keep rewarding that hard look, that hard conditioning, it's going to continue to happen. Now, not all, not all of the bodybuilders died coming up to a show. A lot of them died off season basically without having a show on the way, but a lot of the damage that is done to your body through these competitions can remain even after the competition is done. You have some serious problems still months after a competition is over with. So the fact that there isn't a good way to keep the guys healthy, there isn't a good way to maybe disqualify competitors that are taking things too far or that are being unhealthy. And then you're rewarding guys for really looking like they're a foot away from death. I mean, you, these guys and girls can be very muscular, but their body fat, their face, everything, it looks like they're just they got a foot in the grave. Their blood work could probably reveal that they have a foot in the grave at the time that they're competing. And so there isn't a good way to, to penalize guys for being unhealthy as they're on the way of achieving this look. Other leagues in other sports have tried systems to make sure that guys aren't killing themselves. I know many, many years ago, I was still, I was still a wrestler in high school. There, there were some, some deaths from kids at the college level and high school level uh, really dehydrating themselves to make weight classes with smaller competitors in them. And so nationwide, 
there was a, a qualifying program that was that was put into to place that would make you qualify at a certain weight and you couldn't go below it. And they would really kind of make it so that you couldn't hurt yourself to drop down a bunch of weight classes because your weight class would be kind of decided based on your body composition, height, different, different markers at the beginning of the season. That's just like, that's just kind of high school and college wrestling uh, that comes to mind. I don't know how or which way that can be applied to bodybuilding. It, you know, to to be real, bodybuilding is a it's not a rich sport, very uh, poor sport. A lot of times, uh, some of these competitions cost more money than the money that is generated off of them. So it's it's a it's a tough one. It's a very very hard one, but one that should be figured out, I think, because more and more competitors are going to keep dying. It's just going to continue to make the sport look bad. It is going to continue to maybe scare some, some what could be good competitors away from the sport because of this very issue. And yeah, I mean, bodybuilding competitions have become kind of that. How good are your genetics? How much starvation you can tolerate? How many different drugs you can tolerate without dropping death? You're supposed to be huge and cut. And how you get there, there are no parameters, really. Not being tested, you know, really in these competitions. So if you need to use DMP and insulin and other, and epogen and whatever else you need to use in order to get up there and look big and cut up, that's, I mean, that's fine. There's no regulation on, on that, on the on the types of drugs, on the diuretics. It's really left up to each competitor to run their own science experiment as to how they can get big and cut and show up. And this is just, it's, 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 it's what's really causing the problem. It's what's really causing the problems and the issues and the deaths and all that stuff. It's it's a very small sport. There's no regulation of competitors on the days leading up to the competition. Who, the who, my question is, who is profiting from bodybuilding right now? It's the supplement companies that are sponsoring. They're the ones selling all these supplements and, and all these people are making money and a lot of a lot of money is is um a lot of money is lost is lost in bodybuilding. Um it's not this huge profitable venture. No. And and so su- and, su- and a supplement company that spends a ton of money on a show, it's not guaranteed that they're gonna get their money back. Uh if anything, it, it's become a thing where we supplement manufacturers and some hardcore fans that buy the tickets and and pay for access are kind of spending money keeping up these giants, you know, just because they look good. But at the end of the day, are these guys really generating enough sales for what they're costing these companies? Uh, some some would say no. Some would say maybe. Some would say they've seen they they see improvements. Some don't from hiring these these huge guys to promote their brands. But you'd be really surprised, especially um, I've heard 
female bodybuilding shows definitely don't make a ton of money. Uh, there's definitely always, and this happens in boxing too. Let's be realistic. You know, this happens in boxing quite a bit as well, where you have people that are willing to lose. These guys will lose money on these shows. Uh, some big names, big brands want their name associated with a certain show or a certain boxer or a certain promotion. They'll put on a show and sometimes they won't, they won't make all of that money back. Sometimes they won't. Fighting leagues are notorious for being big money pits that sponsors never get their, their funds out of. Not just, I mean, it goes across the board with boxing and MMA. There is some money in boxing for sure. But a lot of shows, more than people think, actually lose money for, for the sponsors. There's usually someone big with big pockets that's putting on the show, flipping the bill, and hoping that they'll make somehow money back down the line with growing their, their name or their brand or whatever it is. So um, a, lot of, a lot of shows lose money, as, far, as hard as that may be to believe for some people out there. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons I stopped watching boxing a while back. Not not just because of that, but also because it was I got tired of watching you know rigged boxing events. When you're when you're doing one on one, good chance it's going to be rigged. So it's it's a lot harder to rig a uh, NFL game when you have forty some players on each team dressed and a bunch of coaches on each team, and they're making all this money. But boxing match, I mean, you just rig. Just bet against yourself and, and flop in the first uh, first round and collect collect your winnings. And that was what was happening with boxing. Boxing basically got, weren't ruined because of Don King. Now, you know, with bodybuilding, bodybuilding isn't a spectator sport like boxing. So it's not like they show the Mr. Olympia on pay-per-view or on ESPN or something like that. So they don't make money through TV. So however they're making money, you've got to go in there and tax, take out five or 10% of whoever's profiting from bodybuilding, put it in a pool and then money talks. Okay. Money talks in, in America with everything. If you've got an issue, throw money at it. So that's, what's going to fix this is money. So put it in a pool and do what I suggested, make sure there's independent doctors, pay those independent doctors from the pool. And then the coaches, I don't even think you need to pay the coaches. I mean, they're getting paid already by the competitors. And if they really cared about their clients, they would be with them, you know, uh, leading up to the competition. And as you said, Rick, they're not, they're not all dying ahead of their competition, but a lot of them are. And a lot of them are putting themselves at serious risk ahead of their competitions due to the diuretics use, due to the stimulant use, due to the condition of their body, their heart health. And in Cali's Cali Muscles example, where he had a heart attack, he was a, had 100% blockage in his artery, 100% blockage in an artery. And that's something that can be diagnosed ahead of time. You don't have to wait till you have a heart attack to get rushed to a hospital for them to figure it out, you can get this tested ahead of time. So why not once a year have these bodybuilders tested, have their heart health tested and see, 
And guess what? If you have a clog in your heart, your arteries clogged, guess what? You can't compete until it gets fixed. Sorry. Now, if they did something like that, these competitors wouldn't put themselves at such a risk. They would be like, well, I I'm going to be suspended. I'm going to be suspended due to health reasons. So I got to take care of myself better and I got to make sure I'm healthy. So that would, that would fix the issue literally overnight. That would fix the issue. So, um, you know, I think that's, that's what we do, but I don't think it's going to happen. I don't see, I don't see it happening because bodybuilding is a very reckless endeavor, you know, and it's, it's basically something where you're on the edge of death. When you go on stage at that level, you, you are literally on the edge of death. <laughs> so, and um, as, as you said, Rick, they're, you know, I, as you said, Rick, they, that's how it goes. That's bodybuilding for you. Yeah. You know? so the, the money would have to come from somewhere to, to verify, qualify uh, blood results, uh, health screening for every competitor. Um, if they wanted to do it leading up to the show, that that's one thing. If they wanted to uh, have something in between shows to monitor these guys, I mean, the expense would be, would be pretty high. I don't, I don't particularly see any bodybuilding league really having the resources, the money to provide a quali qualifying testing, you know, for guys like checking their blood work, seeing if they're being healthy or not, uh, how they're, they're managing their, their contest prep. It just, there's, I just don't see it having the, the resources to ever do that. Uh, if it did, then it would cost you $10,000 to enter a show. You know, it would be something really ridiculous. I think the only thing they're going to do, if they're going to do anything at all, is that they're going to start. They're going to start changing the rules and conditioning, and they're going to start rewarding it differently. So guys who come in not as dry, not as cut, not as, as close to death looking, are going to start getting the the nod are going to start getting the points and the placement over the guys that come in looking super dry, super hard, super tight. It's about all they could really do with the resources at hand, in my opinion. I just they just they're just not bodybuilding is just not a, a profitable enough sport or, or a thing or legal, whatever to really be able to take care of these guys' health the way, the way maybe the UFC does, you know, that they're, they're a league and, and a private business and everything all wrapped up into one. I just, even boxing has, uh, you know, in a, in a night of boxing where millions of dollars in purses are given out and, and, you know, thousands of seats and pay-per-views are sold. Really, there's just a handful of guys fighting. On the other hand, you go to a bodybuilding show where the whole show, everything going on there might be worth a couple million bucks, if that. And there's, you know, 50 competitors, maybe close to 100 competitors, depending on the size of the size of the show. It's, a, it's you know, the, the so that boxing event would have a much cheaper, easier time checking up on the health of, their, of all of their, you know, handful of fighters for this night of millions as opposed to a bodybuilding show 
where show, I mean, forget about pay-per-view or anything. Nobody even knows that this thing's going on. Might be, might be televised by someone going live on Facebook. I mean, very small kind of uh, operation. And then you got a hundred guys to, to look after as far as uh, are they healthy enough to step on stage? Did they, did they follow healthy protocols, getting ready for the show? It's just a, it's a, the scales of the money, amounts of money available uh, and the amounts per competitor are just meager when it comes to bodybuilding. I mean, this fucking thing is almost a hobby, really. When you, I mean, there's some very few top level guys that make their money on the shows. Nowadays, most guys make their money on their social, on their Instagram, on their followers. That's where the real price to sponsors and that's where they're really getting a good chunk of their money from price money at these shows is not, it's not all that, you know, it's really not all that. So could it ever be fixed only with a judging change, a judging fix. And you'd have to have a really weird standard where like, okay, you can't come in watery and fat, but you also can't come in super tight. So you get points for coming in fairly and well conditioned and, but once you go beyond this point, points begin to be taken off. Because if you go past a certain point, it means you had to have been really unhealthy and really responsible in some of the practices, some of the prep work and some of the compounds you used in order to get that tight. It'd have to come to a very weird kind of standard. But it's, it's the only way that I see, uh, Steve, and you tell me if you agree or disagree with me. It's the only way I see that the actual leaks you know, the actual uh, letters, you know, these leagues with the letters names could actually do anything to affect any kind of change in the sport and the way guys are are handling their prep, which is, is the major problem. But besides that, I just don't see it. I mean, I, that, there's not enough money to do proper medical follow-up. There's just any, any money in this to do it. And the, the best thing the league can do is is change their their standards for judging. What do you think? The problem is, you know, that might be a problem. I'm not I'm not saying it's not, but the main issue is you're, you keep comparing bodybuilding to boxing and UFC. Boxing and UFC, it's black and white. You go into a boxing ring and you knock out the other person, you win. You know, now I've seen boxing matches where one guy dominated the other person and then the judges, it was a split decision two to one and the points, they gave the points to the guy who didn't even knock the other guy down, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so I get that part, but it's still much more black and white. That's something where in bodybuilding, you're talking about judges judging and people can have different opinions on who won. That's the frustrating thing. It's like watching the Olympics. Some of these, some of these Olympic events where, like gymnastics, for example. You, watch, you ever watch gymnastics and the person or uh, skating, ice skating, where they do the, they twirl up in the air and, and do the do a little show and whatever, and the judges give them a, a points, you know. And you're like, what? You know, they, that person did better than that person. You're getting, and that person got more points, blah, blah, blah. 
because it's not black and white. It's not like a uh, the Olympic run where the guy takes off and he wins. Clearly, he wins, and you're like, okay, he deserves the gold medal. It's not style points. It's not who ran the coolest, <laughs> you know, where they got style points. You see, that's a problem with bodybuilding. So if you're gonna change the way they judge, it's going to be an absolute mess. I don't see that being a plausible idea because bodybuilding isn't black and white. So one, you know, the judges are going to be like, well, you know, they, you've got to do something with your health. I don't think it's unreasonable to make these guys pass a physical physical isn't that expensive to do. All right. And checking, and I'm sure these competitors have health insurance. All right. I'm sure they have health insurance. Um, what 90, 95% of people in the United States now have health insurance. We're almost to universal health insurance. And in all these other countries, these Western nations all have universal health insurance. So they can go to a doctor ahead of the competition and get their blood work done, which they should be doing anyway, and get their heart health checked and all this stuff and pass some sort of standard to be able to say, you know what, you're cleared, you can go ahead and compete. I don't think that's unreasonable. And I think that basically, you know, the way it is now, and I've interviewed some of these guys and they've told me point blank, they rather stay ignorant about their blood work and about their heart health and about their liver health and kidney health. They rather not even know it because they know how much damage they're doing. So I think this is a good incentive for them to stop being ignorant and actually know this. If Cali Muscle had just had his heart checked, okay, which is a routine checkup, okay, where you go in and they could check on your heart, they could do a stress test, whatever you want to call it, they would have seen 100% of his artery was clogged. And they would have been like, you know what, we got to unclog your artery. And that if he was competing, they would have told him, sorry, you can't compete because your heart is clogged. Who in their right mind would say, you know what? Fuck that. I don't care. My heart is clogged. I'm competing next week. I don't care. Who would do that? Nobody. So I don't see this. I don't see it being uh, uh, any type of negative thing at, at all. I think it's a win-win for everybody just to pass this, this uh, just a basic test. They, they can, they can pass it and that would solve the issue of competitors dropping dead would it save someone like john meadows who wasn't competing he's just some guy who used to compete would it solve his issue no you know it wouldn't solve his issue but i think having these guys dropping dead the night before the competition is is a huge is a huge issue final thoughts and we'll move on It'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, bodybuilding is a uh, it's a sport that evolves. It really evolves over time. Uh, look, when Steve and I were kids, there was only a handful. Should I say a handful? Actually, several, a couple dozen professional bodybuilders, men and women. Nowadays, there's hundreds. The sport evolved. The sport evolved from it being uh, something that a few guys could really do and look good doing and 
have great results doing a few pros to something where look they decided to include everybody have categories for everybody men and women ton of categories everybody come on out let's all compete and it became more of uh funded by the actual athletes and entries to these shows and all these tons of guys showing up and putting on the tanning solution uh way more supported by that than than butts and seats and you know purchases of whatever televised shows or anything it became it, it's the sport is evolved it's evolved and part of what's keeping it growing and keeping it going is that there are more people competing in shows now than ever way more people than ever way more professionals than ever way more leagues than ever way more weight classes you know classes i mean just it's huge, huge now because of participation, not audience. I think if you went back 20 years, how many people were watching bodybuilding shows versus actually competing? You have a, you have a much larger ratio of watchers to competitors. Nowadays, if you see how many people are actually competing versus watching, you get way more competitors per spectators now than than you did many, many years ago, you know, 20 years ago. So it'll be interesting to see what the next evolution of this thing is and how the voice and the wishes of those people that don't want to risk their health, get too dry, get too lean, get, get into too much uh, health issues, too many harsh drugs, EMP, people who don't want to do those things to compete and be competitive and when how that can best be how those how that's going to be fixed in the sport it'll be really interesting to see what happens and steve and i'll be here to talk about it and comment on it for you guys and uh let you guys know what we see what is our take on things so uh yeah those are my some of my final words it's, it's we'll see what happens Bodybuilding evolves quite quickly, my opinion. We'll we'll know, we'll see it. We'll see it coming along. Next topic we're going to talk about is SARMs, selective androgen receptor modulators. And SARMs are a more mild PED than anabolic steroids. We're also going to talk about anabolic steroids shortly as well. Uh, we're going to end the show talking about steroids. I know you guys love the steroid talk, but um, you know, SARMs are more mild. Uh, I think one of the advantages of using SARMs is one of the things is the suppression is far less than anabolic steroids. Now with SARMs, you know, you're, you're talking minimum suppression, your LH, say your LH is at five, you go on SARMs, it'll drop to two or three. You, you go on steroids, it's dropping to zero. So the recovery after the SARMs is going to be much, much easier because your pituitary glands aren't like completely shut down like they would be on steroids. So that's one of the big advantages of using SARMs. Also, the side effects, SARMs aren't going to give you estrogenic side effects or androgenic side effects the way anabolic steroids would. So if you're worried about gynecomastia, bitch tits, if you're worried about water retention, if you're worried about your prostate, if you're worried about your heart health, if you're worried about you know, your kidneys, stuff like that, SARMs is, is going to be uh, way less of an effect, but they, but they do hit your, your liver a little bit, just like anything. You got to remember with SARMs, the PED dosages of SARMs that we, you know, we are taking 
in in 2022 in that what guys on the forums are recommending are all already five, 10 times the therapeutic dosages, you know, of what they were medically produced to, uh, to be dosed at. So we're already jacking up those dosages. So yes, it's going to hit your liver a little bit, but nothing like steroids would, you know? So if you're running a PED dose of Dianabol, for example, and you're running a PED dose of a SARM, you're not going to have the same effects on your liver. You're not going to have the same effects on suppression. So there are advantages that SARMs have. Now, the thing is with SARMs, they're not going to give you some of the benefits that you might be looking for, like you would with steroids. Like it's not going to cause your bench press to zoom up. It's not going to cause your weight to shoot up. It's not going to cause you to build an incredible amount of muscle in a short amount of time, like anabolic steroids would. It's not going to give you that aggression that you would on, on an anabolic steroid. So those are the disadvantages of using SARMs. And also at the end of the day, when it comes to cost, um, the, for what SARMs give you versus steroids, you can make the argument that SARMs are way more expensive. Like you can, you could grab a five week cycle of Dianabol for, I don't know, 40 or 50 bucks at the most. But if you run a, a four or five week cycle of a SARM stack, you're probably going to, you're going to be paying, you know, 150 or even $250, depending on what you, what you get. So some, some, you know, most of this, a lot of the steroids are much cheaper than, than SARMs. So there is the cost issue. So you should never go with the cheap route on SARMs. That's one of the things I think SARMs are more faked than analog steroids these days, you know, and a lot of these guys, they've made a living, a damn good living. And we've seen a couple of them get busted recently. I actually did a podcast on one of the guys. For um, for actually spiking their products, so they do the same thing with SARMs. They'll spike the SARMs. They'll put pro hormones as the SARMs to give you more of a aggressive androgenic type of effect. So a lot of guys will get a lot of side effects on these supposed SARMs, but they're not really taking SARMs. So you really have to be careful where you get your SARMs. They are way more faked than anabolic steroids. I think there was a uh, Canadian media company that actually randomly tested like 11 or 12 different SARMs companies they bought online. And out of the 11 or 12 that they tested, all of them, aside from two, were not what they advertised, were, were something else. So You've got to be careful, guys. You know, you got to trust, you got to use trusted sources for sure for SARMs. Rick, what's your thoughts on this? SARMs are the thing, and, you know, they're, they're here to stay. Uh, when they first came out, I wasn't all that hot on them. And as time has gone on, I've been, I've warmed up to SARMs more and more because I see more people using them and having great results with them. So um, if you want to check out our, Psalms wrap-up show where we discuss every psalm in depth. Check out episode number 360. Episode number 360 this is a great episode if you want to check out uh, some of our uh, 
episodes where we talk about just the regular SARMs. And then obviously, RAD 140s episode 352, LGD 342, Testalone 332, Ostrin 338, Carterin 330, YK 11 episode 346, MK 677, Neutral Ball episode 344, SR9009, Stenabolic. That's going to be episode 356. Anderin, S4, that's episode 340. So those are good podcast episodes if you want to check out some of our information on SARMs, what Steve and I uh, think about the subject. Um, one great guy to uh, listen to when he comes to SARMs information is Dylan Jamelli. I just interviewed him for the Elite Fitness Podcast, episode 34 and 35. Uh, which should be, if you go to EliteFitness.com, when you go there to EliteFitness.com, you'll see a link on the top right that says podcast. We click on there. You'll be able to see all of the podcast episodes. And you'll be able to find episode 34 and episode 35, where, where I interviewed Dylan about YK11 and RAT140. And if you scroll back some of the earlier episodes, Dylan's been a guest about five times on the show, always about SARMs. So SARMs are here to stay. SARMs are here to say they're the new thing. Uh, all of the steroids that we talk about on a daily basis, everything from Anavar to Winstrol to Oxandrolone to, I mean, um, Nandrolone to everything. It's all been around since the 60s, you know, some late 50s, 60s, early 70s. So good 40 something years has gone into use of these steroids before we today can say that they will do X, Y, or Z. When it comes to SARMs, we've only been around the last 10 years, really. Some of them less, some of them a little tiny bit more, but it's a 10 year. So it's, it's hard to say really what's going to happen, what they're going to do to our bodies really long-term it's impossible to, to really know and to really say. So that's something I always tell guys when they're thinking about SARMs. And look, I'm not trying to be scary. I use them. I realize that I don't know every single side effect that could come from using these compounds down, down the line, down the years. I admit that. Do I still use them? Well, for fuck yeah, I do, because I like experimenting on myself, and I like compounds that bring real results. And I've seen some amazing results with SARMs. Mainly SARMs bring in a, additional health benefits that steroids just don't have. Or that maybe if, if a steroid was ever attributed, that particular health benefit, whatever SARMs counterpart does is way better. I'll give you an example, Nandrolone. For years, guys talked about how Nandrolone is great for joints, great at helping your, your bone structure your joints, tendons, all that good stuff, which when you think about Nandrolone, yeah, there is a little bit of, a, of an improvement there, but it could be negligible. Now take something like Osterin in the Psalms realm, and that's really going to help heal joints. That's really going to do something serious to the way your joints, your tendons, your structure feels. Far exceeding what SARMs could actually do. I'm sorry, far exceeding what conventional steroids like Nandrolone could actually do. So that's just something to know and think about. I mean, 
Cardio, cardio benefits. For years, guys would say, oh, equipoise. More red blood cells, more, better cardio, equipoise. Equipoise is pretty good. It's nothing compared to GW cardarin when it comes to cardio endurance. I'll tell you that. So, yeah, I mean, definitely these arms have additional better health benefits. But at the end of the day, uh, uh, you have to kind of know that very new drugs, and we don't, we don't know. We don't know what could happen after decades of doing a couple of some cycles per year, what your body is going to be doing inside. Or at least we, we haven't had the data from another generation of bodybuilders that did it before us, like we do with steroids. So I'm still personally going to continue to partake in SARMs personally, and I'm still going to continue to give information out about SARMs. But in the spirit of being responsible and really bringing you kind of both sides of the coin on things, they're new, very new drugs that we don't, that we can't pretend to fully comprehend in depth. Maybe the way we do steroids right now. So that's it. All right, guys. Yeah. And then the next one we're going to do is supplements. So Rick, I'm going to let you lead this one. This is one that you want to talk about. You had some ideas on this one. What are some supplements that you like? All right. So supplements. As of the recording of this podcast, we have a very different, weird supplement scene than we did a decade ago or two decades ago, definitely. Some of you guys can remember just less than 10 years ago, we used to be able to buy some pretty hardcore, pretty strong compounds right over the counter, right over the counter, no problem. Methylated steroids. I mean, pretty much some very uh, strong stuff. 2014, government did away with pretty much most of the cool stuff we could buy. And nowadays we have a pretty, uh, those hardcore, really effective compounds for muscle building are gone. And some newer compounds have arised that aren't really directly related to, to bodybuilding as good as well as the pro hormones used to be, but can still generate some really great results for guys. And my personal uh, way of doing things, I've taken a, an approach to it where I'm using right now, I, I released a new product called N2Transoderm. Go to N, the number two, transoderm.com or go to needtobuildmuscle.com and click on muscle builders. It'll, you'll find it there. Basically, I'm using pre-hormones that you can apply on your skin to areas of your skin that have the enzyme concentration that's going to turn this pre-hormone into anabolic androgenic hormones steroids that you can actually benefit from now years ago i would have been it would have been legal many years ago to actually put these these hormones that we want to get out of the conversion just put them in a bottle and in, in a capsule and give them to you not anymore most of those hormones have been made illegal banned in supplements but the precursor for it is still legal and available and I could use some of these precursors, put them in a cream, and you apply them to the part of the skin, the enzymes, where you're going to get some conversion. 
this is kind of the strongest things we got right now, guys, to be honest with you. Some of these precursors. Um, and that's about it. Now with the skin application that I'm using for my intertransoderm products, pretty strong, but that's all we get now, guys. Most of the hardcore anabolic stuff has been banned. There are some new ingredients, some new stuff out there in the realm of nitrates, you know, NO2, NO2 uh, ingredients, things like that, but not a lot, not a whole lot, not like it used to be years and years ago. So the supplement scheme right now for guys who want to grow muscle mass and, and buy stuff over the counter, they're going to SARMs which SARMs are still in the gray area where they're not banned, they're not illegal, but they're also not fully legal to be put into supplements. So instead of pro-hormones or methylated hormones that guys used to get before 2014, now guys are buying SARMs. And there are some nicer, cooler ingredients that enter the market, different types of proteins, uh, some hormone precursors, different things. But they're getting... The FDA is getting rid of ingredients, I think, a lot quicker than we can come up with them. And they get rid of a lot of stuff that, in my opinion, should have never gotten rid of. So for the supplement buyer, if you're trying to grow muscle just on supplements alone, if you're a natty guy and supplements are your only extra boost, you'll be well served. There's just some decent stuff out there. If you're a steroid user, there aren't that many supplements out there that you can really stack to your regimen that are going to add anabolic potential. Like maybe you did a, a you used to do a DECA testosterone cycle and then you would buy Superdrol over the counter and throw that on. Or you would run, uh, you know, uh, a little uh, cycle of maybe some Trembolone and some Prop and then you throw some hail, some uh, some Trembotestin and some of these other really crazy pro-hormones that were available over the counter, you throw that right in. Don't do that anymore. Those hormones just aren't that strong. You could use my topical endotransoderm to increase uh, uh, anabolic hormones while you do an oral or maybe you do some TRT. It's about as strong as you get nowadays because of the loss. But if you're a juicer and you're full-out juicing or doing SARMs, some of the products out there to keep your body healthy are better than they've ever been. And to guard today is better than it's ever been. Over the years, we added additional ingredients that became available. Tutka being one of the best additions in the last five, six years. As it started to become readily available and became affordable to put into a supplement like this. Um, there, there are better things out there. We understand the body much better now than we did ever to help you stay healthy while you take these steroids. But Yeah, so so supplements, I like, I really like herbals uh, when it comes to supplements. I really believe in herbals. We've been taking herbals as human beings for hundreds of years, thousands of years in some cases. So I'm a much bigger fan of natural herb, herbals that come from plants, you know, in nature than I am of this processed junkie supplements. A lot of guys, a lot of my clients, when they talk to me, they're like, you know, what supplements do you take? You know, what protein powder do you take? What amino acids do you take? And I'm like, look, I don't take either one of those. You know, protein powder, as someone who is well-educated in nutrition, 
it's actually listed as junk food and then nutritional profiles call it a junk food. It's considered a junk food. It's just like ice cream. It's considered a junk food because if you look at the ingredients of what's in whey protein powder, it's, there's, it's fake. Everything in any of this fake, it's, pro, it's heavily processed at best. And then they add artificial sweeteners and they add all this crap to it, make it taste good, you know, and sucralose and all this other crap. And it's just not something I, I partake in. So I like these natural herbals. I like, I like your product, uh, Rick, into generate, into generate ES, uh, you know, the Fidosia, the Tribulus, the Fenugreek, the vitamin E, the zinc, you know, those, those are things that, you know, you can take and that can help you, that can boost your testosterone levels naturally, can uh, help your strength, it can help you uh, build muscle, it can help, you know, balance things out. It's, uh, it's got ingredients to help with uh, the heart health and stuff like that. So these are, those are the things I like. Those are the supplements that I, that I partake in. And then amino acids are another one that I don't like. Um, in the Western world, we already get plenty of amino acids. To actually spend money to supplement amino acids makes absolutely no sense. It's of no benefit to you. It would be like supplementing with sugar. Oh, I, I need to supplement with sugar. Oh, I need to supplement with salt. You know, it doesn't make any sense because we already get too much sugar and too much salt in our, in our Western diet. So adding more amino acids makes no sense. So really, you know, I'm not a fan of uh, either amino acids or whey protein. A lot of people want to know which supplements I don't like. Those are the two that are very you know, popular, but those are the two that I find to be frankly counterproductive and you can spend your money on other things. But at the end of the day, food, food is number one, food is the number one supplement. All right. And, uh, you know, and then you, you want to use supplements and when you're on steroids, you want to use supplements that are, that are going to help your liver, kidneys. So N2Guard is another good supplement that I like, and it really makes a difference um, if you're on a cycle and you are, and we're going to talk about steroids in a little bit and you run out of N2 guard, you'll feel the difference once you run out. And then once you get a bottle and you start back on it, you're, you're going to feel much better. So it's a really popular product. I think it's the number one selling product, uh, and two BM cells. Uh, is that correct, Rick? It's among the top sellers. Yeah. It's among our top four, yeah. top four, top five. So, I mean, it's, it's really, it's really popular for a reason. And, uh, 99% of the people who, who come back to buy into guard are, are former customers. So they really, it's one of those things that they really, really like. It's not like these other supplements that you see being sold on these websites where guys go in there and they'll buy it one time and they'll say, yeah, it doesn't work. And then they'll buy it again, but then they're going to bring in new 20 year old, naive young guys to spend more money on useless supplements that they sell. So it's very important when you is a, there's a method to the madness of supplement usage. And it's very important to also use, I just want to, I just want to make a note as well um, before I let you finish out the topic, Rick, a lot of supplement companies out there, they're cheat. They cheat. They spike their supplements and stuff. So it's very important to use a trusted supplement company. That's actually going to sell you what they say they're sending, sending because FDA doesn't have the manpower to go and check every supplement out there. In fact, ever since the pandemic, 
you know, they're already short staffed as it is. And um, I had a podcast I did with, with Mobster and I talked about it. And I gave the statistic of how many, I don't remember the number, but it's a very small percentage. I think 4% of all supplements are even tested by the FDA these days, 4%. And that's the way the supplement companies, that's what they want. You know, they, they'll say, you know, FDA sucks and all this stuff. They don't want the FDA to test their products because they want to keep cheating. Because most of these supplement companies are run by businessmen and they just care about money. They don't, they don't know the first thing about supplements. So, of course, they want to cheat. Of course, they don't want the FDA to test their products. So, you got to use a trusted supplement company. N2BM is trusted. They, they have their, their products tested. And they, um, you know, I've been, I've been a customer of theirs for 12 years. So, they've always been top notch. So, you want to go with a trusted supplement company that's not going to spike products, not going to lie about what's in their products. That's very, very important. Know what's what you're putting in your body, guys. So we're going to finish out this topic and we'll finish out with some steroid talk. You know, uh, when I started my company many, many, many years ago, uh, over a decade now, I, I wanted to really deal with my guys, the guys that I can understand, the guys on the forums, the steroid users, the bros. I... I don't dislike newbies. I like talking to guys who are on their journey, but these kind of, you know, newbies, the guys that only get amped up about fitness three months out of the year at the start of the year. And then they, they slack and they're here, there, they want a magic pill and all that. I just don't have a lot of patience for those guys. I like the hardcore guys, the guys that are running cycles that if I get on the phone with a customer and he's got some questions, this dude's done five, six cycles. He's been around the block for a decade and we're exchanging ideas. We're exchanging information. It's the kind of, it's the kind of customer I really wanted to cater to and talk to. And so a lot of my time and, and energy and assets are spent on servicing existing customers and not so much going out to find new ones. My guys, the guys that buy from me from the Lee Bell Muscle brand, you guys have been lifers at this. You guys have been consistent in the gym for years and years and years. Sometimes there are breaks for a year here, two years there, because family, divorces, disease, a lot of things happen. But for the most part, you are the guys that since high school, since college, have stayed on the grind, have stayed active, still care about the way you look. And so... Good majority and good way that my brand has continued to stay alive is I continue to cater to the same customers for years and years and years. And I don't run a bunch of I don't run a bunch of ads. We don't do Google ads. We don't do Facebook ads. We don't do Instagram ads. We don't do any of that shit, guys. Really don't. We have these accounts on social because you know you kind of have to as a brand. And I publish a ton of girl pictures because we have some female models that we sponsor just to have some nice uh, eye candy for all of our customers that follow us on social. But really the main way we get customers is you guys out there, you tell your friends about my products, your friends use them and they keep telling other people about my products. And, and also we just continue to have the same customers year after year. Cause whenever any of you guys has a question, whenever any of you guys need anything, you guys can contact me directly that, that creates a, a touch of that personal touch, that personal friendship that I have with the majority of my customers. Um, 
you know, if a guy's been shopping from us three, four years, chances are he's gotten me on the phone at least twice. And we've spoken at length about his cycle, his goals, whatever situation he's going through. And that's the way my brand goes, guys. That's the way need to build muscle continues to stay relevant is we just, we provide, we're a, we're a full service suite for you guys. We have three podcast episodes that I record every single week for you guys. Every week we have the Lee Fitness podcast, elitefitness.com. And then we do evolutionary.org, two podcasts a week. So you're getting at least 12 podcasts from me that I'm on per month. If you just want to plug into that. And also I'm available for all of my customers. If you have any issues, if you have any questions, I'm the guy you're going to ultimately speak to about your your shopping experience, we need to build muscle. So that's the way that I've developed my brand, guys. I wasn't all about flash and selling a bunch of uh, bullshit <laughs> bullshit supplements for cheap and, and big distribution worldwide, all this other stuff, which sounds great. And some guys do it. God bless them. I like just knowing. I like knowing my customers. I like speaking to my guys. I like I like working with my bros. Um, it's, it's just a blessing. So. All you guys out there, thank you for your support. Please continue support. And, uh, and yeah, that's it. That's all I got to say about the supplement industry, man. Different. different well, game, let me ask you day. this because uh, Mobster and I did a podcast about it. I'm not going to mention who it was. You guys can go back and listen to it. But protein spike, uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, supplement spiking. He got busted for the guys facing, I think, like at least six years, maybe 12 years or more. What do you think about that story? Does that piss you off as an honest supplement uh, owner? This one I wasn't aware of. Tell me a little bit more about it, and, I, and I'll tell you what I think, please. So uh, he was he was spiking his supplements with anabolic steroids. So he was selling a test booster, and it was really an anabolic steroid. He was selling a pre-workout, and it was really DMP. So he was basically – DMP is not an anabolic steroid, but you know what I mean. So he was basically spiking his over-the-counter supplements – with either anabolic steroids or illegal um, or very uh, dangerous compounds and selling that to his customers. And he got busted for it. That's, that's really silly. That's real stupid to do. Um, you're basically drugging people without them knowing they're being drugged. Extremely irresponsible. Does it piss me off? It makes the whole industry look bad. It makes regulators think they need to regulate us further which they do a good job already of regulating the fuck out of anyone manufacturing and that's kind of how we get slammed on regulation is through is through our pressure being put on manufacturers so i don't think there needs to be any much more of, of that but it gives the illusion that there needs to be more regulation and more Listen, there doesn't need to be any more regulation. Just as long as we enforce the rules that are available, that are in the books now, I think we'll be pretty good as far as the, the future of the supplement industry. But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just never right to drug anyone. No, I mean, for any reason, it's just never right. So just on that alone, I think guys scumbag. Does he need to do five, six, seven years? I don't, I don't know the specifics of the case, but fuck, man, you're drugging people. Like, People think they're getting something natural and they're getting drugged. They're getting drugs that are affecting their, their liver. Like you can't, can't fucking do that with people and get away with it. So I definitely, 
agree that there needs to be something coming down the pipeline. If you're being offered a supplement product that should be mostly natural, it should, shouldn't have any banned ingredients. And really the whole time you're, you're being slipped a, a drug, an unapproved drug. It's, you know, that's, that's fucked up. That's definitely not right. Um, there are, and I've seen it out there, guys put in DMP in, in supplement bottles and in capsules, but the label tells you it's fucking DMP. You know, it's, it might say not for human use, but here's a, here's a bottle with capsules in it. But at least you, you know you're, you're taking DMP. And I'm kind of, you know, I'm sort of like, all right, well, at least you're telling people what they're taking. But to actually slip it in and not, it, it not be mentioned in the ingredients panel and not be disclosed fully what, what, it, what this is, that's fucking, that, that's just gone back to the max. And, and anyone that does it in any way, Food preparation, cosmetics, supplements needs to needs to be going after and, and needs to be held accountable for sure. Yeah, for sure. And that was uh, episode, if you guys are curious to learn more about that one, episode number 172, Hardcore, the Hardcore episode 172 that I did with the mobster. So we talk about that. So last topic, we're talking about steroids. I'm going to let you... Um, you know, get into this a little bit, Rick, and then I'll um, I'll give my thoughts on it. But start us off on the the final topic: steroid talk. That's a good um. What's a good start to this? Let's see here. Let me let me get started in this topic. Um, I don't know what direction you want to go. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I was thinking about it. I'm coming up to the show. What, how we should uh what we could do for guys for steroid talk. Um, so check this out, guys. Uh, we're starting. I'm going to date the podcast, which we never do. But this is January of 2022. We're starting January of 2022. It's definitely a new era. Just It's just a new dawn in performance enhancement drugs in the world. There are probably more performance enhancing drugs available now i'd say twice as many as there, there was a decade or two ago there's just more drugs out there on the market and unfortunately the quality of the drugs has gone downhill quite a bit 20 years ago you know you you would only be buying human grade or veterinarian grade stuff you would only be buying drugs that were made in approved laboratories pharmacies Real brands nowadays, everything is UGs on the ground. Uh, guys are taking DMP way more, um, way more now than they ever have. Same thing with insulin, same thing with human growth hormone. There are more brands and more, more available human growth hormone out there than ever. More peptides that can be used along with or in the place of human growth hormone now more than ever. It's a real buyer beware market. And all you guys out there that are partaking in this industry, buyer beware. You know, be real careful who you're buying your steroids from, where you're getting them from. Same thing with your peptides, your SARMs. I would say now more than ever, knowing who you're dealing with, uh, checking up on reviews, checking up on on test results of product being sent out for testing, 
All these things are extremely important now more than ever. Knowing your source, knowing who you're dealing with. Because back in the day, you just needed to find the brand that you wanted. And as long as the brand that you wanted, like Organon or Bravel or Dankow or, you know, whatever you were looking for, you just needed to make sure you got quality, legit product from that brand that it wasn't bootleg. You're pretty, pretty good to go. That's it. Nowadays, brands can be good for a minute, go to shit the next minute. Brands can be hot for a minute. Then they could get enforced. Enforcement come down on them. Sometimes national enforcement in the U.S., sometimes enforcement across the seas when some of these outfits are, are running operations in foreign lands, shipping stuff in. It's really start of 2022 is really buyer beware. Definitely buyer beware. Definitely make sure that once you get a good supplier or a good brand that's delivering good quality, make sure that you continue to check on the reputation, make sure the quality doesn't go downhill. You know, back in the day, if you got Organon, legit Organon, it was always good. And there was no danger of Organon starting to send you bunk shit all of a sudden. Or taking your money, right? I mean, it just didn't happen. Organon would be Organon because they were under regulations to produce what they had license to produce. It's not like that with underground labs anymore. So make sure you pick good labs that have a good long track record that continue to provide good, good quality products, good customer support. You know, make sure that you that you're about that now. It's really that time where there, there's never been this many different compounds available for performance and aesthetic enhancement. There's never been this many brands out there making either black market or gray market, even white, white, you know, even white market performance and aesthetic enhancement compounds. Now more than ever, they're being produced. They're more readily available. There's more ways to pay, more ways and better, safer ways to get your money over. But fake, underdosed, bootleg products are rampant. Huge. Now more than ever. You know, now more than ever. Now more than ever. Back you know, 20 years ago, if you wanted to, uh, steal people's money and send them fake sustenon, uh, fake organon sustenon, you'd have to try to make your package and look as close to organon as you could, giving people a way to maybe find some errors and know your shit's bootleg. You had to really kind of go out there and really do it. Nowadays, you can just make up a brand. The first batch could be good. Every other batch afterwards could be bad. You get it out there, people start buying. Then you just go bad and, and send nothing but oil and, and alcohol, no actives. And, P, and it's going to take a long time for people to catch up and figure out that your brand is bunk before word gets out. It's just incredible. It's a, it's a different dynamic, different day. So, guys, listening to podcasts like ours, staying up with the information, signing up to the forums, staying on the forums, asking your questions there talking to other guys in the industry on these forums, evolutionary.org, elitefitness.com. It's an incredibly important tool. 
you got to be wary of of doing Google search queries because Google start to record everything you search and start to show it to you everywhere you go on social. Really, the best way to ask your questions now is have a username on the forums and log into the forums and ask your question. Ask a vet. If you don't have enough posts, because a lot of a lot of the forums limit how quickly you can post a new thread or, or send PMs, you got to have like 50 posts. Just hijack someone else's threat. Say, hey, I'm new to the game. I, I don't have enough posts to make my own threat or to send private messages. I'm going to ask my question here on your threat. Sorry. Just hijack and do that. You know, just don't do that. Break, break, you know, just, just get help. Talk to guys. Make sure you find out what's going on. Who's still good. Who's still, who, who, who went bad. Sometimes a brand could be great, but then a huge chunk of fake products mimicking that brand might come out. Word will get around the street like, hey, you know, this brand has always been good, but some assholes making fakes. Look out. Their fakes can be spotted this way or that way. Oh, look out. There's a, a, a phony website that's pretending to be a known brand, and it's not the real website. Don't send money to these guys. Look out. You know, this is the, the kind of information you're only going to get on the forums by being a member there, by asking your questions there, by talking to guys there. These are, this is the kind of information you're only going to get being at, at, at a forum. So beginning of 2022, buyer beware when it comes to these underground performance and aesthetic enhancement products. And you need a forum membership now, I think, more than ever. It's probably better now to have a forum membership more than it ever, ever, ever was. Look, 20 years ago, guys, 20 years ago, you could, you could buy human-grade steroids from someone at a gym. You could buy human-grade steroids via the mail order. Some, some, some sources would even advertise on the back of bodybuilding magazines the classified ads and when you got your stuff you could verify to, to see if it looked like the stuff you had before or or you know go online not without even being a member and check out some gear pictures that was kind of back in the day when we had real legitimate established lab laboratories that were under government supervision somewhere in the world nowadays if you don't have a foreign membership to see what who's out there what's going on out there if you're not buying testing kits to test your gear sometimes. If you're not following like these protocols, you're going to get fake shit. You're going to get fake. You're going to pay a lot of money for stuff that doesn't have everything that you think you're, you're getting in it. So it's extremely important now more than ever to have that forum membership to, to frequent that forum. Don't lose your password. Don't lose your, your access to the email that you registered. And just stay up to date on everything that's going on uh, in, in, in this world. That's kind of my message for the start of the year. It's a buyer beware black market economy, basically. Buyer beware black market marketplace. And you need now more than ever to, to have that forum membership and to be active so that you can ask your questions and save a ton of money, save a ton of money from getting scammed or wasting time, weeks waiting for the gear to arrive, weeks in the gym 
pumping around. You're not even, you don't even have all the sauce in you that you think you have. You know, it's just, it's a, it's a waste of fucking time and money. And it's so much easier now to get scammed now more than ever. So uh, it's, it's my message for you guys now here at the start of uh, 2022. Yeah. So this is a really good topic. We'll have to hit it on a future podcast, but we are out of time officially guys. It was, was a long podcast, a special podcast, episode 450. We hope you guys enjoyed it. We have been getting some requests to do some stuff on future podcasts. So we promise um, I'm going to push Rick as much as I can to uh, agree to start doing, um, you know, more of your questions that are coming in and more of your um, suggestions for our podcast. And uh, we'll, we'll definitely hit that. So uh, stay tuned. It'll be a really, really fun show. Yeah, Steve, I think the, yep, the, yep. the next the next couple of months we're gonna focus a lot on your questions that are coming in. I think it's a good uh, start of the year since we're getting started in 2022, and there's a lot of guys getting hard back into the gym. So let's let's really do a bunch of uh, of Q and A episodes with people's questions out there. I think it's it's a good time of the year to do that for sure. Episode 450 with Steve and Ricky V. Rock. We'll talk to you next week. Later. Have a good one, Steve. Have a good one, guys.